Zone 3 Podcast. I am Robert. Yes, and I am Reggie. And today we are joined by... Rupert, Rupert, Rupert. Matt, Matt Redderer. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Right. Uh, we're having you back, actually. You're a returning guest. Thank you for coming Three back. Oh, yeah, thanks for inviting me. This is actually the three-peat this time. The three-peat. Third yeah. episode. Yeah. Man, nice. No, I'm like spoiled. You guys are spoiling me. Well, you're spoiling uh, us with that knowledge, <laughs> man. You're yeah. like a what, F-list celebrity now. Yeah. <laughs> <Man. laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> right? It's not, it has nothing to do with the Phoenix weather, right? Oh, no, nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Phoenix, you're guys. coming from where? Chicago. Yeah, That's where it's miserable, right? It's horrible. Yeah, we're getting a blizzard tomorrow. So. Oh, right, yeah. that Midwest storm or whatever that storm Welcome. is going. Yeah, are you sending like selfies poolside? To all your I, yeah, back home? yeah, we were on yeah uh, the Kilbout Map Mountain and taking snapping pictures, sending it back, yeah. and Dude. not making fans. That's awesome, man. <laughs> taking cocktails up. Be careful. Yeah. It could be unsafe hiking up that. Oh, with, for sure. Uh, in vacation mode. In vacation really? mode is when I'm usually drunk. Gotcha. Only good to know. Only when I'm on all right, and when he means drunk, that means put the wrong image. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of image, great segue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Brought so, to you by uh, yeah, Matt, Matt's here joining us uh, to discuss image optimization, protocol optimization, yep. different tricks of the trade. Apparently, you've got a few. You're I've got a share, few, and we're wanting to hear. So definitely, you know. You know well, Perfect. I think too. Really, one of the best things about being an MRI tech is that you kind of learn from other people, right? So you'll work with someone, you'd be like. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. And then you work with someone else, and there's another trick to that, right? Yes. So you start adding these little tricks to your basket, and before you know it, for any situation, you're like, ah, I got a trick for that, right? Yeah, and where does it start? You know, so you, you, know, you brought up a good point. We learned from our peers. Right. right? But, but someone had to come up with the idea, right? And it comes from someone who knows MRI physics and knows what they're actually doing at the council. Right. Like when you're looking at case space, how are you acquiring that case space? When you're looking at all these parameters, what, what is actually happening on the back end? Because if you understand that, yeah. you can make your images look amazing. Our job, we're photographers, okay? We, we can sum it up as artists, all right? We are all like artists. Yeah. Artists, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> when we, we sit down, we are taking pictures of the insides of our patients, right? right? We're responsible for the resolution. Right. We're responsible for the image contrast, how things actually look in our image. And we're given the tools of parameters, right? We got pulse sequences as well. Right. Right. That's a different conversation. But when we're sitting there looking at parameters, we can manipulate these things in so many different ways. All right. So let's just start with contrast, image contrast. Right. So if I said the word TR, what does that mean to you? Like when I say the word TR, what do you guys think of immediately? Yeah, repetition time, right? Repetition time. What does that do to your image? You don't hit this one? Well, different contrast weighting, right? So it's our T weight, T1 weighting, T2 weighting image basically based on TR, right? Yeah, TR right. is specifically altering our T1 contrast. Right. So it controls the T1 contrast. But many people don't know is that T1 is actually controlling how much longitudinal magnetization we're allowing in our image. Right. The longer we wait, the more longitudinal magnetization we get, which means the longer I wait, the more signal I get in my image. Right. So I can increase my signal to noise slightly inherently, by increasing my TR. Right. So that's a big one. But TR controls T1 contrast. So what does that mean? Well, TR is very touchy. And we have the Goldilocks story. You know, you get too short of a TR, we get a noisy image. You go too long, you lose T1 contrast. You got to find that right TR. That sweet spot. That sweet spot. But how do we know what that is? The only way to identify what that right TR is going to be is by looking at something to compare it to, right? Running two images at different TRs and right. saying, okay, this one's got a better T1 contrast than, than this one. But we don't have time to do that, right? So we are under the mercy of 
standards in, in the industry, right? Right. So when we run a spin echo sequence, typically 400 to 800 milliseconds is that sweet spot for that TR value. So when we start to push the envelope, let's say we're like, oh, you know what, I want to you know, speed this up a little bit. I've only got five slices. I can just take my TR down a little bit more, a little bit more, and, and we push the envelope. Right. We start to alter our image optimization, right? We start to maybe destroy something in our image. We're going to lose contrast if we go too short with that. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, lose signal to noise. Now, is that something that's sufficient? Can we uh, absorb that? All right. Everything that we change is limited by signal to noise. How much signal? The money in MRI, right? right. What are we going to spend that on? Are right. we going to spend it on contrast? Are we spend it on resolution? Right. right. That's a good what about time? Like, what if I want to just go as fast as I possibly can? Right. Like, hit the gas, you know, the four-point harness, sit down and, and start scanning. Right. We can do many different things when we're trying to optimize our image. And, and just sticking with the contrast theme. Now, I'm going to throw you guys TE. Right? We're very familiar right. with TR. What does TE do? What, when, when I say TE and you're sitting at your scanner right now and you're saying, okay, what? Am I going to change my TE? Would, would, would you change your TE? Or would you just say, hey, look, the protocol says I'm going to run this at 80? I'm going <laughs> right. to. Yeah, it's the decay. So the how decay. long are we going to snap that picture of what we're trying to capture? Right? Right. The decay yeah. with the, um, how much longitudinal magnetization we allowed in our image right. plus this decay. But from an image optimization standpoint, how right. does that benefit us? All right, I've talked to a lot of techs, and they're like, well, the protocol says run this at 80 milliseconds. But what does that mean, you know? TE controls T2 contrast. And T2 contrast is that pathology sequence that we run, that we can look at pathology. So when we alter this TE, we can either enhance certain pathology right. or we can hide certain pathology. And so a prime example is this. Let's say you have a patient on your table sitting there, you're scanning, and they have a huge cyst. So now you're like, okay, well, what am I going to do? To do this patient, how do I enhance this? You might want a higher contrast, higher differences between those tissues. So fluid pops out, everything else is kind of suppressed, right? Right. I'd increase my TE. And you see, we do that with MRCPs, right? You, when you scan yeah. an MRCP, what is that TE? It's something ungodly, 500 plus. Right, right. And we add this suppression-like technique where we suppress out all of these tissues, except for fluid, because it holds on to that, that, that decay <laughs> as long as it possibly can. Right. So then we get this nice fluid image, right, of this common bile duct. Boom. Just what we want to look at, right? Exactly, what we want to look at. So let's say we want to go the opposite way. Let's say you have a, a lesion in the cord, all right, the spinal canal. And you got this lesion, and let's say you, you crank this TE up. You're like, I want to see pathology. Let's crank this. You, you know, Matt said crank this TE up as high as you can, and you'll see pathology. All right, it's T2. All right. And you crank it up, and you create a high contrast. Uh, now I can't tell where this lesion begins or ends because the cord is dark, this lesion's dark, the soft tissue lesion, okay. say, and you have cerebral spinal fluid that's super bright. Right. By pulling back that TE, you can start seeing smaller differences in contrast. So I might be able to see where the cord begins and that lesion butts up against it. I can see better contrast, right. but it all depends on what we're looking at. Right. So if we don't know what, we're, what our goal is going to the sequence, sorry, it's like, okay, well, I got John Smith. John Smith, you're on the table. All right, um, I, I didn't even look at why we're even doing the scan, but it's a, it's a, it's a brain, it's a, it's right. a thoracic spine. Let's go ahead and all right, whatever. I'm on my phone, you know, reading a magazine. Send them off. All right, it's right. lunch. I got to get out of here. All right, so we have to understand what our goal is. When we go to this patient, every patient is different, and we are photographers, right? Right? They are our customers, and we're going right. there with our camera in there to take the pictures of the insides of them. Let's and use the right lens, right? Yes, or exactly. The right filter or whatever. Exactly. It is, right? We have all the tools, and right. we also look at it, who is the one telling us what they want, right? So we got some guys saying, "All right, I want um, you know seven of these uh, five by five by sevens, and right. who's giving right. us the 
the instructions. It's the doctor that says, hey, I want you to, I want to see if this patient's got um, a, a lesion in their brain, or I want right. to see, what do I want to see? Right. And what we do to our parameters can optimize that. Right. And so I love that analogy, by the way. Yeah. But yeah. it's true. I mean, it it's, true. it's yeah. what we do. I mean, we are artists at the pick, end of the day. Pick that right paintbrush, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we have. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get my, uh, what is that, that guy that paints with the fro, you know? Uh, oh, yeah, Bob Ross. <laughs> Bob Ross, man. Oh. That's, that's what I do. Bob Ross. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, at, at, so we have the power. We're the ones taking the pictures. The, the, you know, I always says, I says last time I'm with you guys, with what we know, knowledge is the power. Right. Right. We can do so much with that. We could be the ones inventing these new tricks right. based on what we know. Right. If we understand what we're actually doing, right. we can be the ones creating these new techniques. And we're going to go through a little list at the end because I'm excited about that. I like that. Yeah. So um, how about inverse time? Oh, yeah. What, what the... So pretty much we're talking about pretty much uh, inversion recovery, like IRIR. Uh, yeah, time, yeah, right? in, in, yeah. Yeah. So pretty much that's flipping. It's, it's pretty much setting our RF pulse, and we're kind of flipping that, right? Going 180 degrees to start off so that we're flipping um, whatever the contrast that we want to be flipped, per se. Yeah, so you're inverting all your protons. Proton. So when you invert these protons, we're going to wait a period of time. Right. right. Well, how do we know what period of time we're going to wait? And the beautiful thing about an inverse sequence, like a stir or a flare, right. is that we have to wait a period of time related to the T1 of the tissue we want to suppress. Right. That kind of threw me off at first because you, you, it always on the boards would ask about, and we kind of talked about this before in a previous podcast, about how T1 waiting was related to your inversion recovery. Yes. And it always messed me up. I'm like, yeah. what do you mean? How is it related? It's not related, right? But it is, right? It is. And it's powerful. All right. We can go and say, all right, I want to go to you guys, and you're going to scan a body part. And you have the option. You have to get a, a fat-suppressed image of some sort, a T2 weighted. Right. Now, Let's say you're scanning a soft tissue neck, and you got to get a T2 uh, fat sat in there. You run it, and you run a fat sat technique, a chemical presaturation sequence, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you don't get fat sats in the shoulders, right? Right. You get this weirdness in your image, and you're like, "What the heck?" Well, this is what I got. I'm going to send it through. Which, if we understand what we can possibly do to optimize this image, this inverse recovery sequence is based on the T1, you said, right? right. The T1 of That's the so tissue, yeah. not the uniformity, not the homogeny of that anatomy. Right. So now we can focus on the T1, which is a little bit safer right? Um, and, and more accurate in terms of suppressing fat. So I go and run a stir instead, and my image is going to look nice and uniform. Right. And let's say, you know what, Matt said the stir was going to look damn good, and guess what it doesn't? Well, I can run what we call a Dixon technique. And Dixons are beautiful right. at representing a reconstructed fat and water saturation technique. And right. there's value in both of those, and it depends on what the radiologists want. But now you're not dependent on the T1 anymore. You're dependent on fat and water being in and out of phase. And that, again, is a little easier to achieve a more uniform image, especially when we get these high field or large field of views and we get these body parts that are irregular in shape. And so... Inverse time is, is an, a big one. And now I'm going to ask you guys another question here. Mm -hmm. Now picture you're running a brain. B. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> you got it. Um, you're running a brain in a flare sequence. Okay. Now when you see those flares, what is your TR? Just out of curiosity. Uh, so a T1 flare? 45. Or T2 flare? So our, a T1 flare is probably close to probably like a, yeah, 1800 if we're doing T1 flare. Uh, but I know our T two, a T two yeah, flare. flare is probably going to be, yeah, I think it's five thousand. 
About five thousand. If if our TI is about one eighty to two hundred, it should probably be about five thousand. I want to yeah. say. And technically, really, you should be above nine thousand. And uh, I'll tell you why. Dang. Now, one. We're of gonna the edit biggest... this part out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cut it. <laughs> so. The, one of the things that we need to understand is when we're running these flares is if we don't keep that TR long for the T2 flares, mm-hmm. then we start to incorporate some T1 weighting. We start to actually hide these plaques, hide all these things. Uh, but it's so tempting to do that. I mean, you're looking at like my lowest, uh, my, minim, my minimum TR is like 3,000, let's say. Right. I got to run this at 9,000? Are you kidding me? Right. If I cut that down 3,000, man, I just took that sequence from five minutes down to two minutes. Yeah, you're right. And, and I've seen techs just want a shortcut. But if you really look at these images side by side, you're hiding pathology of what we're trying to identify. All right. So that's one of those things. We can't cut those corners. Right. Another one, too, is, you know, stirs. We run a stir sequence, and they're typically going to be noisy. And it's all based on inverting the protons and allowing a short duration of time for them to recover. So we have to, walking into one of these sequences, know that I'm going to have less signal. So I need to do something to ramp it up in a lot of situations. I I love the word ramp it up. Yeah. Because it's kind (laughs) of like, and I might be dating myself here, but it was this phase where you turn up for what? It was like, ramp up for what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, it always just reminds me of my, my education days back then, you know, because that was the thing, you know? Ramp up for what? Nice. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, you know, actually, that reminds me of a story. I'll just tell it. The very first staff meeting uh, that I ever went to, that, uh, the place that I worked at, that Reggie and I were at together, so the first time pretty much ever meeting Reggie, he was giving kind of a talk to the staff, and he had a PowerPoint presentation, and in it he wrote, "Mippin ain't easy." <laughs> oh, and yeah. I knew we were gonna get along. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But I'm sorry. Keep going. Yeah. Oh no, that's fine. Um, and the final one I wanted to just talk to you guys about in terms of contrast is flip angle. Oh yeah, people are terrified to touch flip. Yes, I mean flip angle's a, a big one, and right. and for the most part, we can't alter a flip angle on a spin echo. Oh, we're right. we're ninety degrees, all right. Right. And, and 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 people are like, well, wait a second, man. When I'm on my Siemens scanner, I can change my flip angle to 120, but you're right. changing your refocusing pulse. You're not changing your excitation. That's pulse. what it's. Conf- I think that's what everyone kind of gets confused about. Yes. I'm glad you said. Yeah. So off the bat, you can't change the excitation pulse of a spin echo sequence, but when we move into the gradient world, we can. Right. So where does flip angle fit in? What what do we do? And in order to understand flip angle, we need to say what is it controlling? And there's one answer. It's controlling your T1 contrast. Mm. So if you want to optimize your T1 contrast, you make it a longer flip angle. Right. For gradients, right? Yeah. But we're limited. Right. All right. We have something, um, a ratio between TR and T1 contrast. Tissues recover at a specific duration of time, right? I got fat. It's going to recover short. I got water. It's going to recover over a longer period of time. Right. So we are limited by the T1 of each tissue. So when we excite them, we have to make sure we get an image of enough signal. And that's why we start to shorten our flip angle when our TRs get shorter. We have to make uh, sure we have enough signal in our image. But if we go too short, we're losing T1 contrast. Right. So finding balance is important, but the one trick that I want to leave you guys with is contrast media. Now, what does contrast do to the T1 of your tissue? Oh, so it lowers the relaxation time, right? Shortens it. Shortens it, yeah. So let's say a flip angle at 70 degrees gives you this perfect T1 contrast, period contrast. And now all of a sudden you're a post-contrast. Right. I inject contrast. Well, I just shortened all the T1 of that tissues that came within three angstroms of gadolinium. Right. So I can, sh- I can increase my flip angle now. I can capture more of that signal. Oh. 
and I can get a better image. Oh, that's nice. So if I po do a post contrast, let's say I'm doing a, an MRA of right. the abdomen or an MRA of whatever, if I increase that, that flip angle post contrast, I can get a, such a better image of capturing more of that signal in my image because we want more T1 contrast. Increasing right. the, T, the flip angle gives me more T1 contrast. So. In your opinion, is there a cutoff like for a flip angle you wouldn't go below? Um, for uh, it's very dependent on the type of gradient to use. I mean, we all know that there's so many different types of gradient oh, sequences right. that we gradient can. Thinking but if we're thinking like a conventional gradient echo, I don't like going below 45 if I can. But That's again, it's right. all dependent on your TR. Right. You still have to produce an image with signal in it. If your TR is super, super, super short, you're going to get noise in your image, and so right. we alter our flip angle to capture more signal. So if we have this balance, this ratio of this TR to the T1 of our tissue, and, right. and that goes into Ernst Engel and all that. But for the most part, if we just find this, this balance, let's say you run a sequence pre-contrast, all right, T1, and it looks noisy. Well, off the bat, you got an image, and you know what you can do to this image. I can say, well, this flip angle was too long. It was too noisy. Right. So I'll pull back on this flip angle a little bit. But I'm giving contrast, I so see. I don't have to pull back that much, just a little bit. I see what you're saying. Because I was losing track. So it was pretty much, you're talking about the gradients. Gradient, 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 gradient. gradient. Yes. So you're going to really boost that T1 contrast if you keep that flip angle higher. Yes. Ah, but we're at, this, we're at this struggle with these TRs. Ah, the I TRs see. limit how high we can go with this flipping. Right. So finding balance is important. Finding and and the balance. only way we can learn this, and again, I'm an advocate of this. This is like the one thing that any one technologist can do to become awesome. Practice, practice, practice. Right. If you got... We all want to be awesome, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> so if, you, if you're sitting there and you got, let's say you're doing a C-spine without contrast, and you got a 45-minute time slot, you're done in 20 minutes, right. and the patient's sleep and you hear him snoring on the scanner. Run yeah. that extra sequence. Run that, you know, if it's not going to hurt the patient, right. run that extra sequence and see what happens to that change that you made. Because those little changes will add up to knowledge. And then you'll be the one sharing, hey, well, guess what? If you bring your flip angle to whatever, um, you're going to, it's going to look amazing. Right. And now you're the one teaching. So yeah. practice, practice, practice. Like Never that. stop challenging yourself. Tweak one thing if you can. Right. Doesn't matter what it is. Just tweak one just thing see what it does. Yeah. and you're good. Dang. So let's look at scan time. Everyone wants Ooh. to go fast, right? That's I mean, that's, one. you know, we got lunch. We got, we got to get out of here for the day. Let's go fast. We got to ramp this up. Right. right. So what can we do to optimize that thing? And there's nothing worse, nothing worse than you're at the last uh, 10 minutes of your shift. You want to get out. And the patient's kicking, you know, and they're moving, adjusting, right? Snoring. Best possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried my best. <laughs> call the, the on call tech. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, what do we do in those situations? Well, we got some tools, right? Um, we've got for those motion sequences, we've got the number of signal averages, right? Next averages. We can increase that to get rid of some of that noise. Like that. Or, or, I'm sorry, some of the noise and some of the motion. Right. Okay. So increasing that up helps us average out some of that noise. Right. All right, but again, it's going to increase your scan time. Ouch. But if it prevents you from doing a repeat, then technically you're saving time because right. um, you can run a, a one-minute sequence three times or you can run one sequence for two minutes, you know, a one-minute sequence for three, three times or one sequence for two minutes. You're still, you're still going to be in a better place with a two-minute sequence. Right. One you know of the I mean? things that always gives me is when someone takes maybe, I don't know, a breath hold sequence that's like two minutes 
and they spend five minutes trying to optimize yes. it on the repeat. I'm like, we could have, you know. <laughs> don't let the scanner outrun you, right? That's the right. thing. You, you always want to be fast in the scanner. You don't want to be, <laughs> exactly. you know, so we always have the thing where I always yeah, tell students. Drives me crazy. <laughs> I know. I'm like, you're letting the scanner outrun you. You got to be, you got to. That patient has a window and you're losing. You, I mean, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You're not saving time if it takes five minutes to set the set scan up, right? right? And you're doing a two minute. I mean, that's, right. you got to go fast. Gotta so, gotta go fast. Um, yeah, don't, don't let the scanner outrun you. But another tool that we have is the rectangular field of view. Oh, man. Right, the rectangular field or phase field of view right. for Siemens scanners. Now, I love this one because they made an adjustment on the newer scanners where you can actually not just make your rectangular field smaller, you can make it larger in right. a specific area. More than 100%. Yes. Right? Yeah. And how do we use that? Like, this, is, this is gold. I mean, right. interesting. Yeah, because we use this a lot for like long bone, MSK. That's what I'm going at. Like, right. we don't, no one ever looks at it because rectangular field of view doesn't affect your resolution. You can use a small field of view and just open it up and maintain that resolution right. over a longer bone, a long bone. Right. And now you can still get that high resolution image and cover a larger area. And granted, right. you're limited by with the shim on your on your scanner and, and the type right. of scanner you have. But for the most part, you can still open this thing up and capture this extra uh, anatomy yeah. at a high resolution. Yeah. You without get losing so it. So many cool points from the radiologist when you do stuff like that. Yeah. Now, it does add time, right? <laughs> it does. It does. But it's, it's, and it adds signal too. And I feel like the cost that you get from that is so much less than if you were to add an average, you know, if you're, you know, doing a, a lot of other things. So, uh, I, I like that. That's a good trick there, yeah. too. It, it, yeah, it's actually yeah. Jesse taught me that. So shout out to Jesse. Yeah, oh, Jesse. He said it with the same passion and everything. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, I don't know, it's, it, I was, it's convincing. I, I mean, I saw it. I've seen it for myself. Yeah, it's, right. pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you guys another question. I'm ready. All right. If you had to make a change and you didn't want to adjust your scan time, let's say you wanted to keep your scan time as low as possible, mm. but you needed to get signal. What do you do? So let's say you, like, let's say you, okay, let me rephrase it. Bandwidth. That's kind of, okay, so would you lower your bandwidth? Yeah. Well, what happens when you lower your bandwidth? Oh, so you're going to start getting into some artifact, right? Maybe some, yeah. um, I don't know, maybe some, uh, I don't want, I want to say Indian ink, but uh, like in and out, like fat and water. Chemical shift. Chemical shift. Yes. You. So we get chemical shift, but it's such a nice thing. I mean, think of this. How attractive does this sound? Okay, so I'm an MRI technologist. I'm looking at this thing, and you come up to me, and I'm trying to sell this to you. All right, tell you what. You lower your bandwidth, you're going to get some sweet signal back. And it's not going to cost you any time. And guess what? As an added bonus, I'm going to lower your SAR at the same time. Right. You're like, as an MRI technologist, oh, you're sweating. Right <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the problem is... Hey, hey, hey. hey, hey. <laughs> He's with me, all right? <laughs> That's awesome. So, but, but the problem now becomes... What is it actually doing to my image? Oh, my job is actually to produce a quality image. Right. All right. right. We're photographers. We you know, we have to make sure we're doing our due justice. And bandwidth is a sampling. It's, it's just our sample time. Right. If I'm sampling a long, over a longer period of time, like lowering my receiving bandwidth, right. I'm going to get a less accurate representation of my patient signal. Okay. So I look at bandwidth as a, a photocopier. Patients oh, constantly nice. producing signal, right. and we have to make a copy of that. We have a finite amount of data points to make a copy of this. So if you put in your copy machine and you make a copy of it with a low resolution, like re reducing your receiving bandwidth, it's going to look blurry. It's going to not look so nice. Right. But our goal is always to get this high quality image. And so if I'm going to do something like um, I'm looking at the patient has metal in their body, obviously we know that you increase your, your bandwidth. receiving bandwidth. Yeah. Right. But also, if you're doing abdomen work or you're using large field of views, it's always a good idea to ramp up or 
uh, the receiving pad. <laughs> Ramp up or what? <laughs> <laughs> Bring that receiving bandwidth up as high as we can. Um, because it's, but it's going to kill our, our signal to noise. It's going to do a lot of things that we don't like, but it's going to make our image look so much better. Right. right? Yeah. So awesome. keep that in mind. If it, um, you can lower your receiving bandwidth, but do it responsibly. Right. right. I think one thing, too, that tries to fool a lot of people and people get worried about when it comes to bandwidth is there's your transmit bandwidth, which we have zero control over. It's set on the scanner itself, or at least the RF coils, right, or whatever. And then you have your... Um, you receive bandwidth, which is literally what we're manipulating. So I know, especially me when I was taking my boards, I was trying to figure out what is the difference between the two. You have a good way of kind of explaining that? Yes. Okay, so <clears throat> the transmit bandwidth is what we're delivering to our patients. It's what's causing excitation in your patient. All right, so we can, uh, scanners do things differently and how they get excitation. We're going to send a frequency into our patient and excite a slice. Right. The slice is dependent on the gradient we're, we're turning on and, and, and how we're um, alternating that. But it's also dependent on the steepness of that slice-selective gradient. The steeper the gradient, some scanners will say, oh, the steeper the gradient, um, the thinner the slice. Some scanners adjust it by transmitting a more narrow bandwidth. Oh, nice. So um, depending on what we're delivering to our patient will determine what we're going to actually excite in terms of a slice thickness. Okay. All right. What we're receiving from our patient is actually what we're listening to from a patient frequency standpoint. Ah, All right. Okay. So if we're listening to our patient, we're capturing this echo. What does that What does that look like? We're going to time everything perfectly to make sure that we're getting a specific echo right. of the anatomy of that patient at the contrast that we want. Right. All right. And that's what we're receiving from our patient. That, I see. So we do technically adjust the transmit bandwidth when we change our slice thickness. Correct. But we don't have control but, how we do it. But we don't. I see. Yes. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So. I like that. Nice. Yep. All that's right. a good trivia question right there, by the way. I know, right? <clears throat> to transmit or to not? That is the question. Right? <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. It's right? Monday night. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so re resolution is another thing. Like, and, and you said That's it perfectly, Reggie. All right, when you said that, what do we do when we, we reduce our, our time, oh. our, our scan time? We're going to usually go to the phase. Right. right. We have to give something to. up to get signal because signal's the money that we need to spend on shortening our scan time or doing something to our image. And if we choose to go down the resolution route, we're selling something important, right? Right. We're selling the ability to see and distinguish between small structures in our patient. And depending on what we're scanning, maybe that's fine. Like maybe I'm just looking at a generic over, you know, I'm just want to see this, this bone and there's a huge lesion and then they just want to look at the lesion. Right? I just looking at more contrast and not spatial resolution. Hmm. Well, then that's fine. I mean, we don't need to crank up a resolution to see their soul. All right. And that's what I always tell my, my text. You don't have to see their soul. You just have to see what we're looking at. You know what I mean? So, um, but essentially that's the, that's the goal, right? We just that's have to make goal. sure our resolution fits what we're trying to achieve. And sometimes if we're scanning the brain and we have to look at cranial nerves, yes, we're going to be cranking that resolution up. Right. But if I'm looking at something large, my patient, I don't need to go that far. And I can use that better and, and, and better. I can use that signal to noise or that resolution in a better way right. to help my patient get them through the exam. If they're claustrophobic, how am I going to get them through this exam? Right. The goal is just to 
get something from our patient. It's so easy just to cancel exam because the patient's cost, but get something. Right. Get, get the diffusion weighted image on that right. brain. And right. then fine, whatever. At least right. they have something to help them. Right. That's true because you never know how that one diffusion or that one sequence might help, you know, deter them from needing to come back. It might be able enough just to move on with their course of care, right? Yeah, like, exactly. And it doesn't take much from our end. I mean, sometimes those sweet sequences. Right. And we can get the diffusion on the brain. Right. But us being able to communicate and have an open, and I hope you guys have open channels, and I hope everyone listening has open channels to a radiologist, right. that they have a radiologist that is, is willing to share that information with you. And it's not a bad thing to say, hey, what are those important sequences for you? Right. What are those sequences that you're needing to look at that osteo foot or that uh, brain for seizures? Or what are those sweet sequences for you right. to, to, that you want to look awesome? That those are the first ones I run. If the patient starts kicking, screaming, whatever, cancel the exam after that point, that doesn't matter. You got those sequences that you needed to make some type of diagnosis. Right. Yeah. You know what? So when I was learning, the guy who was teaching me at the time, mm-hmm. big shout out to Jim, he said something that really resonated with me, no pun intended, at the time. But <laughs> intended. It, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> he rehearsed that. I did. <laughs> How's it coming across? Great. <laughs> <laughs> so he said that we're, we're the right hand of the radiologist, right? If you can think and anticipate their needs, then you're always going to be a great technologist. Their needs are always going to change. Mm-hmm. The, the way the field is moving, things like that, it's never going to stay the same. There's always going to be a progression. So you have to kind of stay up on your education, things like that, you know, to, to be able to anticipate. But you need to have that line of communication with your radiologist because how can you think about think about what your ads need if you don't communicate with them, right? And, and I it's, think it's nice when their needs are consistent too. Right, that's true. You go from mm-hmm. one rad to the next, and it's completely different, which yeah. makes things so much harder, right? For sure. Yeah. But it, like you, you said it perfectly. I mean, we're constantly growing. There's no tech that's got every all the answers. There's right. tech that got a lot of answers. Right. <laughs> so, but, but we're like, you if know, they have all the answers, like, then you probably shouldn't be listening to them. Yeah, if they're like, well, I got you them all, guys then. all know that one guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but we should be humble enough to say, okay, we're here to to become better. We're, there's no shame in in trying to make an effort to grow it. It's the, it's the text that I see is like, well, I don't need to go to that conference or I don't need to listen to that awesome, you know, zone through podcast because I already know Love that adjective. Yeah. You like it? I, <laughs> I thought you would. No, but, uh, but you always can learn something, even if it's just a little piece of information. Um, you know, a little shout Bill Faulkner said this to me and this has always resonated with me. Mm-hmm. He says, right. I go to all these conferences and he's like, you know what? Even if I take away one small piece of information, it's still one piece of information I didn't know before. Oh, right. right? right. And so it allows you to grow. And granted, it might have took an hour to get that one small piece of information, but still, you've heard it explained but in a different still. way. I tell all my students this. I say, look, I'm going to explain something to you in one way. And you might be like, this guy's crazy. I don't know what he's talking about. Right. But if someone else explains it to you, just going to someone else and having them explain it to you in a different way, it might be the biggest thing. You might, oh, now it makes sense. Right. And then they connect the dots. Like our knowledge of MRI is like a puzzle. I mean, we're right. constantly putting this thing together. Yo, and sometimes it just takes someone else to say, oh, well, what about that piece right there? And you're like, oh, man, that's, now it makes sense. Dang, that's so true, right? You just Sometimes you just got to hear it a certain way for that light bulb to just be like, ding. Yes. And you're like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I've had so many of those moments. <laughs> so many of those moments. Not as many as I would like, but we're getting there. Especially since we started this podcast. Man, that light bulb just keeps blinking. <laughs> so that's perfect. Oh, man. All right, so I, I thought I'd share some tricks. And granted, these are probably not tricks for everyone because we're all at different levels. Right. But they're things that I thought were very helpful in certain situations. All right, all right so... 
How many times do you guys scan anesthesia cases? Yeah. All right. Oh, so yeah. do you ever run into that situation where that patient's snoring during the case? All right. Because they don't intubate the patient. Right. And, they, and they're like, I'm not doing that. I'm, yeah. And, and so they have this patient snoring, and you're trying to do a C-spine. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that's the worst, right? Yeah, so you're in this situation where I'm like, oh, my God, all my images are looking at crap. But what do you tell your radiologist? Oh, they were under anesthesia? Well, then why are they moving? Right. You know? That's supposed to be the prettiest pictures, right? Yeah. So what I tried to do is um, a respiratory navigator I put on their chin. Oh, Nice. Right. Settle in for this one. Because right. <laughs> oh, when right? I do this at work and everybody's watching, <laughs> there will be an audience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the chin. So when you're on the chin, where are you kind of aiming for? Are you, well, all you're looking at, depending on how you're doing it, right? right. Navigators, are, they're set up phase or they're, they're set up in different oh, ways. Right. So we're you're just looking at phase. differences in, in intensity, signal intensity. So I right. just throw it on, on the chin. There's air and then there's tissue. Right. right. So they're breathing. And as they go to a certain point, they'll start scanning. They're longer, yes, but they look awesome. And the patient's sleeping. I mean, they don't care. Right, because it's literally the same tactic, but you're just applying that tactic in a way that's going to actually help you better than, you know, the whole respiratory yes. thing, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, thinking outside the box, I mean, this is where you like you go to your, your people and you're like, okay, well, I have a tool. How am I going to use that differently? Right. I promise you I'm going to do this. Right. Give it a whirl, man. It's Honestly, it works well. Too. And when I do, I'll send you a text. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, do it. Send me some pictures because I, I got um, I got some pictures that I'd like to kind of show of, of the difference. Like I'm gonna right. discourage them to intubate next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't do that. But it's safer, like Robert. Robert. It's safer. Don't do it. <laughs> They're gonna look at you all crazy. <laughs> you guys, MRI education. Yeah. <laughs> I got something I want to try. I'm yeah. trying to ramp it up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like nice. I see what you did That's a callback. I, see what you did. I know, right? Instant callback. <laughs> All right, so I got another one. Okay, you guys, have, I know I've heard this one, but this is for the text I have not. All right, right. you're scanning a thoracic spine, and you see this void in the in the cord, right? And that's the flow. Oh, yeah. Right? And so I remember I was in there, and a radiologist comes. I see flow, and I don't want to see it. So run a conventional spin echo sequence. All right, so 15 minutes later, after running a conventional spin echo sequence, I still saw it on there. Right. But a simple peripheral gating gets rid of that. So you throw peripheral gating on there, you scan with peripheral gating because that's set around the pulsing. And so we can see that and we can suppress that in our image. So it's kind of like the opposite of time of flight when you see that, right? Yeah, so you're, you're, essentially when it's, it's, it's moving, you're going to start seeing these artifacts. It'll look like, I always think like, like voids, almost look like vessels in there. So I had a, a student tell me, it looks like a, there's vessels in the, in the, in the, in the cerebral spinal fluid. No, they're right. not. That's flow. Those are earthworms. Yeah, they're earthworms. <laughs> <laughs> this patient is in the cord. <laughs> That's a good one. I might use that in a student. That's why you don't eat raw meat, right? <laughs> yeah. Earthworms. <laughs> All right, all right, other tricks? Let's hear it. Yeah, just, I mean, some of these are, are probably ones you've known because they're not crazy, but uh, I've got one too. Okay, so let's say um, you're doing a body part, patient's moving. Let's say you're doing a kid, all right, and the kid's moving, and you're like, I got to get something. So we typically turn to trying to alter our parameters, right, to go as fast as we can. Phase, we bring uh, our phase encoding down, right? We yeah. do all those things, but let's say it's not enough. Right. All right, and this kid's still in there moving, and let's say they're not scared or not anything else, so they're just moving, all right? right? They're just fidgety. Hold on, real quick though, the reason why the phase works is because we're sampling less encoding well, points, right? Yes, you're collecting less echoes, echoes. per case. Yeah, right. nice, so, sorry. No, it's good. Uh, so. What I like to do, and, and I don't necessarily do this for brain work because you're trying to go for resolution on this, but if you're not really focused on the resolution piece, do a s single shot, right? Single oh, yeah. shot sequences. They're good for the T2 component of it. Right. So T T2, contrast, single shot, set it up. Every second you're catching a picture. It's like a snap, snap, snap. I've done that a lot of. Uh, yeah. That is good. Uh, 
like a tongue? Did you do that that tongue the other day? <laughs> With on the kid? Not now, Richie. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that a lot of like uh, pediatric imaging, like brain imaging. Sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's kind of the, the place for it. So You put them in a papoose and do some single shots on them. Yeah, you just go as fast as you can. Yeah. yeah snap those pictures. Nice. Um, papoose. One. All right. And, okay. This I wanted is... to use that word before this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We got papoose. Papoose, check. papoose teas in his own three <laughs> store. Check them out. <laughs> so, okay. So, um, those claustrophobic patients. All right. Now, this is something that... I, I mean, I, I've been using for 13 years, all right? And I know there's vendors out there that already came out with things like this. But essential oils for patients that are claustrophobic. Oh. This sounds so silly. Right. And, and I, I was skeptical when I first did it, but it was my wife who kind of was all into essential oils. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to give this a shot. Right. And it also works. And you love your wife, right? I do. I very much. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't mean to laugh. It's not like she's in a room or anything. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so... And it works on your your fellow employees too because I had a, a guy I worked with. He was all he was he was sometimes not he was a little bit grumpy sometimes. That's why it always smells like peppermint around me. <laughs> 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 but but it was noticeable. Like the, as you get smiles from people and and people will make comments. So it, it helps right. with the employees as well. But I expected that there would be patients complaining of smells of like lavender or something like that, saying that I my allergies. Right. But I've been doing this for thirteen years and not once have I had a complaint. Wow, nice. And it's huge. Like for breast patients, we'll scan a breast patient, and I'll spray some lavender on a sh- or, or some lemongrass on a, on a sheet and put it underneath oh, the head right. coil so the smell kind of comes up. That's Ooh. nice because that position alone, I yeah. can look at the person in that position and it makes me claustrophobic. So that, that goes a long way because that is a tough spot to kind of be in for so long, right? Mm-hmm. The lavender is for them, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, you're right. <laughs> 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 no, I'm having a bad day. <laughs> 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 That's true. It's your special weapon, your tool. Uh, you know, it's yeah. actually mentioned, it's funny you mentioned that because we actually, we use that at our facility and I Did used you? it just today on a patient. Yeah, it's, it's such a difference. We have lavender and citrus and we get them the option. And do you right. have the sprays well or do you have those, the Oh, is that just like a little sticker, sticker that goes on? one? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's from Beakley, isn't it? Car, air yeah. fresheners, car air fresheners, right? What is it? If you pull it, if you rip it at the bottom, it's men. If you rip it, at the oh, top, yeah, it's, it's max. max. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It, you it, go men or max? Clever. I always go max. I always go max. By men, the time bro. you need to do it, you need max. max. Is too much, though. <laughs> max <laughs> is just you enough. All Thank you, Katie. Katie is behind <laughs> the camera. You guys can't quite see her, but aroma sensitive for her to say max is. It means it's legit. I thought I knew you. That's what it means. I'm questioning everything now. <laughs> but you're right. We use it does that, matter, yeah. It, it absolutely does. Works. It's, a, it's a big deal. You wouldn't think it would work. And no. It's never, it, never once have I had a complaint about no. it. No. Right. And, and I'm, I just encourage you, like, if you get called into work and you're pissed off and you can't sleep afterwards, just that was on you. Just Dad. put one with that, you know, a nice one on you, lavender, and you'll sleep like a, like a baby. You know? <laughs> Come home at 20. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the manager's like, who took all the lavender? <laughs> You're scrubbing the them all on you. <laughs> so, Robert. I'm on the call. Okay, I'm stressed out. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I like that. Um, Claustrophobic tricks are really good because it is. It's about getting that patient through the test, man. That's one of our biggest jobs and still one of the hardest parts of our job because it's emotionally draining, you know? Is, yeah. When you have one of those patients, you know, it, you want to get them through it. So, you know, you're, you're working with them and it can. You can kind of absorb some of those emotions and I think that's well, nice. All right, yeah. so I'm curious because we're on the topic of claustrophobia sure. and tricks because I talk to patients all the time and I tell them all the time, well, we've got some 
some tricks of the trade, and we'll use them all on you. Sure. But what, what are, are your tricks? tricks of the trade for claustrophobia? Yeah, we'll go over them. No, we'll it's, it's all good. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously the music, right? And you try the music. Oh, yeah. Ball, but sometimes yeah. the headset, Actually, you know it, it makes some play. Let's all right, roll play. Let's do it. I like this. Sorry. I'm your patient. Let me get recumbent. Okay, that's perfect. We knew this was going to happen. He's been waiting for this all day. I don't know. I just, I've done this once before. Okay. I squeezed the ball, and I don't know. We have music. We have music for you. Is there a radio station I'm listening to? It's hard to hear it. And fair enough, fair enough. We'll give you some earplugs. How about a blindfold? Uh, oh. I don't know. I haven't done that. Would that work? Um, we can. Yes. Yeah, so why don't we give that a shot? Why don't we give that okay, a shot? Okay, we can try right. that. And now, let's say you don't like the blindfold. Let's say okay. Let's say you're like, you know what? This is not working for me. Okay. I like the C. Robert is the curious. Are you going to be in here with me? Yeah. Yes, I'm going to be climbing in there with you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I like to do, and I've done this once, and it, it worked. For the patients that refuse this this blindfold, I taped a piece of paper to the top of the coil, and when the fan blows in there, it kind of moves a little bit. I told them to look at the paper. Oh. So they look at the paper, and they're still fixated on the paper, and so they just look at it. Or you can even write something on it right. and have it in there and say, hey, try to read this. And if they're trying to read that and look at it. They're more focused on that than the actual scan That's itself. That's pretty good. Funny. That is pretty good. Because can I tell you a couple of things? I actually wrote a paragraph, and I titled it. Research paper. Why is it so loud, and how do we get the pictures? <laughs> and it was just a paragraph in layman's terms, the physics and the nice. reason for the loud noises. And people would say all the time, no, this is typically for, like, uh, lower extremity stuff. Sure. Because they would be out of the board the whole time. They would be like, oh, why is it going to be so... I'd be like, yeah, it's interesting you should ask that question because you're going to be staring at the qu- answer for the next 25 minutes. <laughs> 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 I would do that. Yeah, exactly. But then I also good. do trivia. Uh, people who work with me know that I do trivia. That's awesome. For That's example, good. you're my patient, right? Uh, how many baseball... or uh, What are the only two baseball teams that don't end with an S? You've got the that's next dope. twenty. You've got the next twenty-five minutes to think about it. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. Good. That, that is, is good. good. That's good. That, that is works. good. I like that. That works. And when you when you think about it, I mean, we've all heard of these names. When you and the hint I give is when you think of one, you will think of the other. So before the end of this podcast, you're going to tell me what the answer is and go. Good. I'm out of here. No, but for claustrophobia, obviously, honestly, though, with claustrophobia, my opinion, and actually it was one of the questions on the x-ray registry that I took, which is how, what is the best way to alleviate patients of anxiety? And the answer was to explain to them as much in detail the exam. So they know what to expect. And so I'm very realistic in the expectations with patients. Mm-hmm. I don't sugarcoat it. No. I don't try to scare them either. Mm-hmm. Right. But I want them to know what they're about to experience. And so when things do happen, loud noises and whatnot, like, for example, I say it's loud. It's, you'll be surprised by how loud it is. But it's not going to hurt you. And we're going to give you earplugs and you can listen to music and you're the DJ. Yeah, so right. whatever music you like. Exactly. Oh, I don't know. Do you have Holland Oates? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> he was just here. <laughs> I've got him on the ones and twos right now, yeah. just <laughs> mixing them up. <laughs> I do. Uh, one of my tricks that I like to use, it, and it's something super simple, but when you understand why people get claustrophobic, I think it helps. So I, I feel like when I send people in, I kind of tend to hold on to like their shoulder or their arm, especially if they're doing mm-hmm. a brain or something where they're half their body is sticking out. Cause it kind of gives them that perception like, Oh, you can still touch me. Yeah. It's like, Oh, maybe I'm not really going that far in, you know? Yeah, That's and perfect. An, and, in, and to that, another thing that I do in, in regards to that is I actually touch them right where the bore ends. Easy and then. I say, you're out from here down. That's good. So oh. you're completely out from your chest down. Yeah. Or you're completely out from your waist down. And that's always very reassuring to them. Right. 
Oh, really? Oh, okay. I didn't know. So, because it's all about that perception, it right? Is, it's yeah. about what you're thinking about when you're in there. Like, oh, you know, I, I can't get out. Oh, I can't do this. So, if you can just distract them from that thought process mm-hmm. or just show them the truth, you know? And it's it sounds cliche way. or cheesy, whatnot, but it's true. If you let them know that they're in control, because it seems like that's oh, a lot of times yeah. the issue. Yep. Like, let me give you an example of like the difference of control and not control. And and he's a control freak. Anxiety. Trust me. Absolutely. In fact, <laughs> if you would just stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, for example, I work at work somewhere where MRI is in the basement, right? So they literally take an elevator down to MRI just to tell us that they're claustrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. And so the different so why? Why is that? Well, one is because they're familiar with elver elevators. They know what to expect and they feel like they're in control. With MRI, they don't know what to expect. They don't feel like they're in control. So tell them what to expect and let them know they're in control. And it yeah. seems cheesy, but with that ball, you squeeze it, we get you out, you yeah. are in control. And so Reassuring them that way is very reassuring. It's big, yeah. Right. And if you really think of it, claustrophobia, I mean, it's what you see and feel. Yeah. If they don't touch the size of the bore and their eyes are closed, that's why we give them blindfold, they can't see that threat. They can't see that fear. So they could be at the beach. And and if you explain on top of it saying, hey, look, you put your hand on their hand, like, look, I can, you know, you're almost out. Right. Right. Suck it up, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cut. He's he's not with me. (laughs) We'll do a voiceover on (laughs) You're doing great. (laughs) Suck it up for what? (laughs) No, that doesn't work. We're going to cut that. We'll cut that. (laughs) Clear those things with me first. (laughs) Not trying to get canceled. Uh, all right. Well, all right. thank you for giving us the time to discuss that because I think that is important. That's probably the number one thing that we see and I think what other techs would benefit most from is tricks of the trade with image acquisition, but also yeah. with claustrophobic patients. Yeah. So. Sure. Let's talk. Sure. You have more tricks. Go ahead. Yeah. Just, got just a few more. And these are probably, you know, very not so crazy. But um, like now, them. if you, if you know, one of the big things that adds scan time is fat sats, right? So we do oh, pre and yeah. post fat sats. And even if it's 15, 20 seconds, sometimes that's matters, especially right. if you're like, hey, you know, um, you've got you know five more minutes, and if I can say it's four and a half minutes, maybe that's better. So how do you get, you can technically, if you run a pre-contrast and a post-contrast, you can run them without fat set and subtract them. Oh, fat yeah. is in both those images, so you can subtract them. Obviously, you're subtracting anything that's redundant in those two images, so you, the radiologist would want, you want to check with your radiologist. But technically, we do that for sometimes for breast imaging, right? We don't run fat sats when we run these dynamic post images, and we just do sub- subs. So the subs take out anything that's redundant. Oh, because fat sat, especially in breast, can be kind of inconsistent in some areas, right? So the reason why you just turn fat sat off is because you don't have to yeah. worry about that inconsistency anymore. That's, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. That I mean, makes sense. Do, yeah. yeah. And you don't have to add the extra time to do that. Oh, yeah, and right? the time. And right. additional RF pulses prior to your TR. Right. So you don't have to do those anymore. Oh, I love these. I'm going to take them and pretend they're my ideas. <laughs> do it, honestly. But you're going to get your own. The that's more you know about the physics, man, you're a physics guy, I can tell. Right. Um, so you, <laughs> you, you have... <laughs> well, you're the one that wrote like the dissertation for, for the noise in there. I mean, you got this, man. All right. Hey. Yes. Just me being me. Keep going. All right. <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep talking. <laughs> um, all right. So another thing. If you're using a larger field of view, let's say you're doing like um, an abdomen or you're doing something... Um, like a T-spine, all right? Oh, yeah. Patients moving. Right. And if you have a special little trick on your scanner, something called twist. It's what we call keyhole case base filling. Yeah. And the goal of twist is you run a pre-contrast, full-on case base. Phases. Yeah, with everything. Mm -hmm. And then you just only fill the center of the case base for the additional measurements. 
And then you combine them to create a whole one. And the goal of it is to increase your temporal resolution. Nice. So your first one is like 20 seconds. Oh, man, right? 20 seconds. But then every additional one might be only four seconds right. to acquire that data. And you're only acquiring the center of the case space. So you're, if you're doing some type of post-contrast imaging, it's always nice to do that trick because now you can get a bunch uh, of different measurements. And if one of them, they're not moving, right. you acquire that data in as long as you got a good pre-contrast, right? Right. All your other ones, you can pick the one that looks the best. All right, yeah. and, and then the final one, the final one. All right, so I've had um, technologists call me and say, hey, you know, Matt, my radiologist wants two millimeter slices through these long bones. Oh, all right. two millimeter. What are we going to do? And I mean, it's a long bone? I'm not doing axials. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right? But that's the, the, <laughs> but the, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> no, but, uh, so, but, but the two millimeter slices, they're like, how do I do this? They want axials. Right. Um, but if you run it as a 3D, Run oh. the entire lower leg oh. as a 3D and then reconstruct those axials. Nice. And you can reconstruct them as long as you have the opportunity, as long as you're Ooh. isotropic and you're... And that's own. FDA, like... It's, Yo, it, it's, I mean, it's still going to be... A, right. Yeah, I mean, if, if that's what they're looking for. I mean, you tell me a patient that's going to hold still for 15 minutes on a table while you, you acquire two-millimeter slice That's really axials. actually smart, too. Yeah, because especially it, with the newer scanners, yeah. you have 3Ds for almost every type yeah. of pulse sequence. And even if you did a lower and upper 3D... Well, first of all, I got Katie over here. She's one of our new additions. Katie, if you got to say something... I mean, go ahead. <laughs> Katie, come on. <laughs> Engage, She's Katie. Same things, I'm like, she's a 3D extraordinaire. Like, Katie's <laughs> one of our new additions, and she's an MRI tech, and she's who I aspire to be. So, yeah. Katie, go. Me too. I inspired to be Katie. Well, I was just thinking, what's really the time trade-off of doing a 2-millimeter slices versus a 3D? Because that's going to take forever. Well, if your field of view is big. If your field of oh. view is big. Then you can go ahead, and all you have to do is have an isotopic slice towards the mic. Oh, sorry. So if you're if you're one millimeter slice, if you're if you're one millimeter implant resolution, your slices can be one millimeter. So you can reconstruct one millimeter, right? NPRs to the entire leg. So it's all based on your field of view. Right. And again, that kind of goes down to the space resolution when we do. This is right. what we're here for, Katie. Turn yeah. up. So yeah. it's it's all about Love your your implant resolution. So if you can get the implant resolution to something reasonable, as a three D, you can save a lot of time. Doing that and scan For it as a sure. coronal, scan it as a you know a coronal 3D, you know. And the rat of pie freak out too. They'd be like, "What? What but is this? It, yeah. This is the new protocol. Yeah. Whatever yeah. this is, yeah. this is it." He, he definitely did that ramped it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're ramping up. <laughs> All right, so those are my tricks. Those nice, my, yeah. man. Ooh. Give him one of yours. Tips and <laughs> tricks. You know, I leave my tricks at home. I'm trying to think of. Uh, <laughs> All right, work. Oh God. <laughs> I can't go home now. Do you have any tricks <laughs> for diffusing imaging with braces? Uh, for oh, braces? Okay, so some sites actually make them remove the braces, right? So right. they have to reschedule. Especially it's pre-surgical or something. Yes, right? which to me is, is it, it depends. Honestly, there there would be a place for it depending if it's pre-surgical or what, what the reason's for. Right. If we're doing generic, I've got headaches um, or something. Again, it's not my call. I'm a tech. I do what I'm told. I'm the photographer. Right. But if the radiologist says, give me the best you can, I mean, you guys would know this, but your go-to is number one, increase the receiving bandwidth, yeah. right? Who's that bandwidth? As much as All right. you can. And, and what is susceptibility? Susceptibility, T2s, any decay of transverse is susceptibility. We're measuring susceptibility. So keep the TE as low as you possibly can, oh, given nice. the image contrast. Right. So if you're doing a T1, keep that as low as you possibly can. Or diffusion, though. 
Oh, for diffusion. Um, your best bet is to invest in a multi-shot diffusion. Yeah. <laughs> a, a resolve. Yeah, yes. or, uh, yeah resolve. Yeah. Because I've seen people like angle it right. You can't. That's the old school method. I haven't had success with. No, there's not much. If you're doing single shot, yeah, single single shot. If you're doing single shot, there's not much you can do. I mean, they're going to look like garbage regardless. Yeah. But it's when you do the multi-shots, then you can you can tweak things. But you have to buy that software for the most part. And so when you're filling it, the EP, it's an EPI sequence when you're running these diffusions. So you're all alternating your phase and frequency rapidly to generate these echoes right. and, and fill your entire case space. So when you do that, it's a gradient based signal. Even if you're running with a, a single um, shot, or I'm sorry, with an, a spin echo prep se- series, like a 9180, you're still collecting all your echoes using an alternating phase and frequency. Right. So it's still a T2 star weighted image. Right. So we still got this susceptibility issue. That we're worried about, and we can't get around it when we run a single shot. But when we run it as a multi-shot, that's when you can get snippets of it instead of yeah. filling entire case space with all this distortions. And if any, uh, my analogy for um, echo train length and any of those things is by taking a ball. Let's say you take a ball, a bouncy ball, and you drop it. All right. Well, if I drop it, it's like me exciting a patient, turning the RF coil off, and I'm getting decay. All right. So if it hits the table, it's like a 180 pulse. Oh, so it bounces back up. I yeah, get yeah. rephasing. But it never goes back to the same height, right? I never right. get the same quality. So it falls back down. Hits the table one other 180. A little less. A little right? less and a little less and a little less. And if we let our echo train length or these single shots get out of control, the less quality of these echoes we're going to actually get. So if we keep it in snippets of high quality, we can fill and get a better image. That's why keeping your echo train length down That's lower. what I was trying to say. <laughs> right keep there. your echo train length lower, our images are less blurry. They're less oh, right. horrible. Exactly. I mean, they're, they're just sharper. So, right. I can yeah. Matt, thank you, bro. <laughs> yeah. See, so, yeah, I got you. I got you. Know you know what I'm saying? Well, in regards to like uh, reformatting 3D images, one, one thing that I've seen in clinical use is like reformatting a 3D knee to reconstruct an ACL image yes. out of that. And so I've seen that in like practical use and I think it's a good idea. So. Yeah, and those vendors, when you they, they have those build your knee, like those similar protocols that yeah. you're around with the rebuild. I mean, 3Ds have a, have a place and they're getting so good. I mean, as long as your field of views aren't outrageous. Right. I mean, so. y- I mean, and you've got a decent coil that you're using. And if you right. just need a yay or nay answer, like a torn ACL, then that's yeah. something you can't right. It is the field. And, and, yeah. and talk about insurance policy. I mean, let's say you, you get in, your ankle was wrong and the patient's gone and now the, the doctor calls you like, I need them to come back. Yeah. No, you don't. No. I can read Reconstruct that slice any way you want me to because right. you have that data. That's so and true. as long as you didn't delete the patient from and your scanner, with that you have job security. <laughs> exactly. So you're welcome. Right. <laughs> but it's a tech market right now. It's, oh yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah. Well, Matt, yo, thank you, man. This has been yeah. great. Yeah. Everyone loves tips and tricks. So uh, and you gave us a bunch of love good ones. for the game, man. You got a lot of passion and well, it's contagious. You. Thank you, man. Now you got me wanting to do all these like. Oh, you should, man. And you gotta, yes, and you gotta tell me if this works or if, yeah, if you come up and yeah. share your well, knowledge with me. We're lucky enough to work at a facility that gives you like time. adequate, like sufficient time slots. That's awesome. And so yeah. we've got time to play sometimes with, you know, compliant patients. And, right. Um, so it's fun to think about what we're going to do with that. And yeah, I'll text yeah. you. Yeah, text right? me. Like, let me know if this is working. If you come up with any, you're like, you know what? I just got inspired. Like you're taking a walk or something like that. I'm like, already I got inspired. Something. Look at that. Yeah. And then, so send me. I want to do that trigger too. trick for sure. Ooh, I'm gonna do that for sure. Hey, see <laughs> that? I want to do that. Your twist yeah. or tricks or whatever we're calling yeah. it, and yeah. whoever you work for. But uh, yeah, no, there's definitely some tricks for that. I'd love to. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah, Matt. yeah, yeah no it. problem. No problem. He flew it all the way into town for us. 
Not, yep. not for his anniversary. No, not at all. Not at all. Not just for you guys. Just for us, right? Yeah. Um, but we appreciate you guys. So yeah. thank you. And you have a fl- safe flight home and all that. And appreciate so, it. Thank you, guys, so much uh, for having right. me. I guess, are we missing anything, Reggie? No, man. I mean, um, so three podcasts. We are out. It's all three podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. Say hi to Katie next time if you ever see her in public. <laughs> Ages. Big shout out to the sponsor. Yeah, thank Yo, you. Uh, Tech Gate guys, they're amazing. Check their website out. Be in the link below. This is when we play the outro song and we stand up and shake hands. And <laughs> <laughs> Put it in there, the information and comments provided in the Zone 3 podcast and website are not intended to be technical or medical recommendations or advice for individuals or patients. The information and comments provided under the auspices of Zone 3 podcasts and their guests are of a general nature and should not be considered specific to any individual or patient, whether or not a specific patient is referenced by the physician, technologist, individual, group, or other entity seeking information. Zone 3 podcast may provide links or references to websites. Such links are provided as a convenience to our listeners seeking more information on topics. These websites are not affiliated with Zone 3 Podcast, nor do they endorse or manage content discussions unless otherwise stated during recording.